came from the mountains and the snow. Wasn't it beautiful this morning? So for me today, those of you who struggle with physical ailments, those of you who struggle with financials or hurt relationships, and you just are afraid to move, you're in that foxhole, I want you to see how the Lord wants you to move. That verse that was at the end of that video, would you stand for the reading of God's word with me? Psalms 121, 7 through 8. The Lord will keep you from all harm. How much harm? He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch you over your coming and your going for now and for... Thank you for God's Word and everybody said together, Amen. You may be seated. Notice that it's from coming and going. It doesn't say sit where you are, hunkered down, wait for the storm to blow over. The Lord is with you as you come and you go. He will prevent you from harm. And already today, I can name three of you that have back problems, one with shoulder problems, one with fiscal problems. And sometimes when we are in that place, or whether it's relational, we just want to remain in the, in the foxhole. But I know the impact this church has had through the years, and, and I know your heart to do that. So I want to stretch you. How do you face the battle to get moving again as a church? A great book. If you ever read Unstuck Church, it's a powerful book. But there's also one on how to be an unstuck person. So I want to challenge you in these things. So my first question for you is, what are you fighting for? Who are you fighting for? Amen. I like that sign language. If we made a list today of all the battles in this world, and there are many, uh, living in the Midwest, those battles of the Civil War, 23,000 people lost just at one battle. And you see that turtle in the street story? My first year when I moved to Iowa, Cindy and I are driving down a highway and there's this large turtle just like that in the middle of the highway. And so I'm going, I'm going to rescue that turtle. But no one ever told me, there's, and I didn't know, I'm from California, there's such a thing called snapping turtles. So I reached down to grab that dude, oh man. But I did get him off the road. You know, and I've been blessed to see heroes fight in battles in World War II, and they're getting fewer and fewer, and, the, and our soldiers that fight. But today, today, I want you just for a minute, I just want you for a minute to consider the battle that you face. Each one of you. It's not the world around you. It's not the chaos that we see in this world, but the battle that is here in your heart and in your head. It's life's battle. And so far from what I've heard everybody in the room, life isn't particularly easy. Amen? But anything, anything, anything worthwhile, you fight for. And if you want to move forward, and you want to move forward in your life, and you want to move through the pain and the sickness and through the, the relationships or the brokenness, you fight for it. If you want good health, how many of us want good health? You've got to fight for it. And when you're in the pain and you've got to do the right things, and my wife reminds me to walk every day, and I tell her I want to sleep in every day. But <laughs> if you want a good marriage, you fight for it. 
If you want your kids to succeed or your grandkids to succeed, you fight for them. But i got to tell you, there is a battle here. You guys know the battle. It's between good and evil in this world. And you see it. You see it advertised. You see it on television. You see it all over the place. And the battle between what's okay and what's best for you, for your life. There is a battle. You see it between hope and despair. You see the battle between love and fear. You see the battle against doubt and discouragement. And I know that's what you guys want for a church. This town, 16,000 households. Average household, three people. Average age of this town, 40 years age. Lots of children in this town that need hope. The other thing that's amazing about this town, in the last year it grew by 1,000 people untouched. Wouldn't that be cool? That this little church could have an impact on this town and help these things disappear. The analogy you guys see in Scripture of soldiers in terms of war, whether it's fight and conquer and battle, is the second most used reminder in biblical terms. So today, today as you look at this, the one thing I want you to listen to me carefully. If God tells you something in Scripture, tells you something, don't you think we need to figure it out? Yeah? You agree with me? You know I'm setting you up here. 1 Timothy 6.12. Well, that's not 6.12. Fight the good fight of faith. You're going to fight with me? You're going to fight in spite of your health? You're going to fight in spite of problems at home or with children or those things? So what should our attitude be when we have a battle? comes out of 1 Corinthians 9.26. I fight a fight to win. You're not going to just shadow box. You're not going to fake it. The Lord wants you to win it. He doesn't want you to hide out in the foxhole. He wants you to be able to move through the things that you are through. So, Marshall, what kind of battle am I facing? What battle do you think that's got me oppressed and stuck in this pit? That I want to move forward. I want to have an impact on people around me. Our church wants to be able to have that. Ephesians 6.12 We are not fighting against human beings. We are fighting against spiritual forces. The power of darkness in the unseen spiritual world. Now I'm not telling you, even though I love Star Wars, but the reality, there is a battle inside each one of us. Each one of us. Because Satan wants you defeated. He's going to use a cold. He's going to use pain. He's going to use finances. He's going to use a broken relationship because he knows the impact that you can have. He, know, he doesn't want you depending on Christ in those times. He wants you defeated. So the first war, and there's plenty of them, but these are things that I see as I talk and counsel people who get stuck or churches or things like that. There is a war between my old nature and my new nature. And you guys have probably heard this story, but I love this story. There was an Indian chief that came to Christ. And when he was talking to people one time, he describes his battle between his old nature and his new life in Christ as two dogs that are fighting each other constantly. And someone asked him, which dog wins? You know what his answer was? The one that I feed. You guys have heard that. So when it comes to those times of oppression and that, 
And I don't know about you, mentally, it's sure easy for me to eat, feed the wrong dog. Romans 7, 22 through 23, I want to do good will as far as my new nature is concerned. We all want to do good, right? Our new life in Christ and who we are. But there's something else within me. My new old nature is at war with my mind and wins the fight. It takes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. There is that battle. That battle of, you know what, I know I'm supposed to depend on Christ and everything, but that old side of me kicks in. The other one that is a battle that really digs in is the battle between love and selfishness. Maybe you guys got this one wired better than I do, but for me it's a daily battle. Will I live for me or will I live for my God and others? Will I become self-protective or will I risk it all? There is one thing the Bible promises very clearly, though, when we get this wired, when we live for God fully, when we are there for others. He promises that our life is more peaceful. And I don't know about you in this world. They need that right now. Amen? James 1, or 4, 1 through 2. Do you know where your fights and arguments come from? They come from a selfish desire that will make a war inside of you. That when you get what you want, to get what you don't get what you want, you will quarrel and fight. Churches are the worst about this. And usually what I've learned, especially in large churches or small churches, it surrounds one thing. Personal preference. Rather than sacrifice for the community and those around us. And or even at home. I don't know about you, I can be selfish once in a while and be a little demanding on my wife. She waved me off. <laughs> Sometimes you can understand how humble people are by how much conflict that it's in their life. And I'm not talking, because I can play this game, I'm not talking false humility where, oh, woe is me, my life is, oh, I'm worthless, and and I can go down that, and that's right from the pit of hell. True humility for me is when I walk in a room, it's not about, look at me. It's about, let me understand each one of you. Let me understand you. And can you see the world wants that? Can you see what they see as the church today? That, oh, we'll come to your church, but you want us to conform to everything you want, rather than... We just want to know who you are and how to help you. Philippians 2, 3 through 4, and, and I don't know what you guys are showing up here. It's probably, oh, you do have my slides up. Very good. <laughs> don't be selfish. Be humble. Thinking of others better than yourself. Don't think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and in what they are doing. A dentist hygienist person next door the grocery store you guys we can make people's day and have you ever noticed when you were at your darkest darkest time and you may be full of pain and you may that but when you reach out and show somebody do you see what it does to you do you see the how it lifts you out of that helps you to move forward 
Another battle, and this is a tough one. It's against forgiveness and bitterness. And I'm going to tell you right now, you live in a broken, broken world. And you will get hurt. People will hurt you. People in churches hurt. But you choose what you're going to do with it. You choose what you are going to do with it. In Hebrews 12, 15, watch out that no bitterness takes root in you, for it springs up and causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. As I care and as I counsel people, whether it's staff, whether it's people in the community, if you see a root of bitterness that goes way back, it just holds them from what God has as their potential. So whether it's a broken relationship or sometimes, honestly, we can get a, and we got a God with a big lap. But we go like, Lord, why am I still sick? It's just too much. Everything is always seeming, just give me a break, Lord. Just a break once in a while. Now, we can be frustrated and angry, but don't let it get deep. Don't let it take root. It says, protect your heart for everything will spring from it, right? Ephesians 4.26 says, If you get angry, don't sin by holding on it. Never let the sin go down uh, while you are still angry. And that's a tough one. I don't know about you, but when you get mad at your spouse and you got to, like, somewhere, that's a hard thing. Like, you know what? Repentance before the Lord allows us to really get that aligned with everybody. I remember one time Cindy and I lived in a duplex, and we had some friends from our church that just got married living in that duplex. So when I get up early in the morning, I walk out, and the guy literally is on the roof with his blankets sleeping on the roof. And I'm going like, dude, what are you doing? He says, well, the Bible says if you have a cantankerous wife, you're to sleep on the roof. <laughs> I said, you've got to realize biblical roofs were like a porch, dude, not a slanted roof. You're going to die up there. Matthew 7.2 says, you will be judged by the way you judge others. Man, I'm bad at that. But that reminds me of so much. And for the forgiveness you give others will be given to you. Whether it's a relative, a family member that's hurt you, whether it's a church person that's hurt you, whether it's somebody near and dear to you, I want to challenge all of us here right now because people say stupid things. I don't know about you. I can hold on to them. Don't stay angry. Don't let it turn to bitterness. Especially when people don't understand your pain or your hurt. Don't nurse a grudge. Never go to bed angry and try to get over it quickly. Here's what I've learned. Especially, you got some long marriages in this church. A great marriage has one thing in common that I've seen through the years. It has two really, really good forgivers. So, Marshall, yes, I, I do want to move forward. I, I do want to move past pain and sickness. I do want to move. I want to see this church move forward. I want to see move forward. I don't want to be uh, listened to stinking thinking in my head anymore. 
The thing I want to remind you, and this verse is so powerful, 837, our brother Paul, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. We are what? More. More. So for me, it's like, how can there be more? Because a conqueror defeats the enemy. So God has already promised you that you will defeat the enemy. But it's more. It's more. And here's why. God's Spirit gives you more because He takes that bad, that hurt, that pain, that stuck, and He causes spiritual growth into you that will have an impact. What was intended to break you can make you. What has caused you hurt ends up helping you. That's more. What has defeated and destroyed you and tried to rip you apart or rip your family apart will develop you. That's more than a conqueror. That separates you from God's love because that is evil's greatest tactic to tell you that God does not love you when you're in the middle of the stuck, like that turtle, He brings you closer. The buffeting in your life, those difficult times become blessings. But I want to tell you, with if you are more than a conqueror, and there's somebody you need to forgive today, somebody, somewhere you need to forgive on this, so you can move forward, so you can do the things that you want to be able to do, you have to understand that, and I'm not telling you to put you in harm's way. If you've got a person that's just a jerk, protect yourself. But I am telling you, sometimes the worst of enemies can be turned to an ally. Then there's this other battle in this world, and this is one and you see happening more and more culturally. We whine about the next generation. We do those things, and I'm going like, you know what, I think we have the greatest opportunity today than ever. There's this battle that goes on between what is easy and what is right. My new nature wants to be healthy. My life in Christ, man, I want love and joy and peace. I want that peace that surpasses understanding. Yeah, my old nature wants to fall to the stinking thinking. Man, I, I want what is healthy for me. I want a healthy lifestyle, but I still drive by McDonald's. There you go, a drive-by. Wave it on. Okay. I want to be organized or more disciplined in my faith. I want more peace. I want to be, show my children more love. I want my parents, before they pass away, to understand the love I have for them, even though they may not have been perfect parents. I don't know about you. As a parent, were you ever too tired to discipline your kid? And I remember I'd come home from work and my wife would be in the kitchen and I'd hear my two daughters and they're the best of friends now, but man, growing up in high school, it was cat fight. So they would be arguing in the other room. I'd go and I said, it's your job, Cindy. I'm too tired to do it. And sometimes you just give in and I, it wasn't the right thing for me to do. Galatians 5.17 reminds us what... Your corrupt nature wants is contrary to the spiritual nature wants. They are opposed to each other, and as a result, you do not always do what you intend to do. And man, for me, sometimes that's an understatement. 
It may be a neighbor I need to go over and meet. It may be something that I need to rectify or apologize for. My nature will always want to lend to the easy part of things. Galatians 6, nine says, Let us not grow tired of doing what is right. For a while we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. I want to cheer you on. In spite of your foxhole and your circumstances. And sometimes these battles, and this is where people get real impatient, it's sometimes versus short-term versus long-term. We want the short-term fix. That's how we're wired. Go through Starbucks. We're out in three minutes. We want the short-term fix. And many of the problems I'm going to tell you today, culturally, and what we see is the inability to delay gratification. Us as a church, too. So, have you ever picked a fight for something you really cared for? Because what matters most for you and for me, are you willing to fight for it? You are? So I'm going to give you some choices and I want you to spend a few minutes because I'm going to tell you how we get there. With God's help, I will fight, and I need you guys, you can write it down on your notes, I will fight for one of these things. Just one. I will fight for better health. I will fight for a closer walk, a better marriage. I want my kids strong. I want spiritual growth. I want to get out of debt. My daily time with God needs to be better. I want hope over my despair. Victory over my fear. I need to be more authentic. I've closed myself off from relationships now because I'm tired of being hurt. Or whatever you think. If you just take a minute and write that down. Which one of those do you I'm going to give you a hint. Before I went into full-time ministry 20 years ago, I was very involved in aerospace and military things. And even back then, a long time ago, the weaponry of the United States was far beyond even things we know today. And the one thing you will see in historically, the one that wins is sometimes not necessarily the largest army. It's the one that has the best weapon, right? And for me, I want you to win today. Whatever you wrote down, whatever you put there, whatever you're feeling as a church, I want you to win today. <laughs> you're gonna, I want you to win. Second Corinthians 10, 3-4. Though we live in a world, we do not fight the same way the world fights. Oh my goodness. We fight with weapons that are different from those the world uses. Our weapons have the power from God. So it's not watching CNN or Fox News that's going to help you win. It's not your physical. It's not your emotional side that's going to help you win. You can have all the money in the world. And I understand when you don't have money, but where I work now, there's a lot of money up there. And I see a lot of unhappy people that aren't winning. It comes down to one thing and one thing and over, and it's your spiritual health. 
So the first weapon that I want you guys to be able to fight with, whatever you wrote down, whatever you're battling with, to get beyond, is I want you to understand how important it is to get your faith from God's Word. Your faith, according to the Bible, can move mountains. Amen? It can accomplish the impossible. Faith gives you victory. Faith is also a defensive weapon. If you know your armor of God, Ephesians 6, in every battle you will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery darts aimed at you by Satan. You're worthless. Boom. Faith. Because you've been in the Word. Your children are a failure. Boom. Faith. Because you're in the Word. I see no hope for the rest of my life. I live in constant pain. Lord, take me home. Boom. Lord has a better plan. Faith is your shield. Now, I don't know about you. When doubt begins to um, succeed in my life, I need faith. So where do you get it? Where does that faith come from? Where does it come from? It comes from the Word of God. Being in the relationship with Him. Soak in your heart. And isn't it funny? I don't know about you. When I get into stinking thinking mode, what's the first thing that I push away from? Man, that deceiver is pretty dang good, isn't he? So I want to encourage you to get in the habit listening to your website or sources or whatever. I get up in the morning and I do a devotional uh, or in the evening and then I kind of post a little something that I see so I can share with everybody else and it kind of holds me accountable because when people see my post disappear about what I've studied, they call me like, hey, what's up, Marshall? How come you ain't putting it? But accountability in that is an important thing. Ephesians 6, 17 says... Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Memorize that in your heart. The Bible says God's Word is light. It's light. Now again, if you're a Star Wars freak for me, that's better than any lightsaber. Amen? So, second weapon. And you guys do this one really well. You guys are a powerful, small group. The second weapon to help you get beyond what you're in to move forward is you get support from God's people. God never, never intended you to do a battle on your own. In Philippians 1.30 it says, we are in this fight together. No soldier ever goes to war alone. He, amen. Amen. Hebrews 10.25, you should not stay away from the church meetings as some are doing. Instead, you should meet together and encourage one another. And there's two kinds of meeting. There's this, corporate worship, and there's small groups. It's where you develop your help. And I know that's how this church was built. So maybe, and I don't know about you, we say, man, Marshall, I'm so busy though, and I'm tired, and I don't want to go every Sunday because I'm so busy, or... I've been hurt by the church, or I've had this happen. Worship, worship, what happened is sort of the nourishment for my soul. I don't know about you when I walk in here and we get to sing together. So let me ask you something. How healthy would you be if you only ate a meal once a week or once a month? Worship for me when I come in here, or when I worship with other brothers and sisters, it refreshes my mind. It cleanses my spirit. So how good would you be if you only took a bath once a week? But you know what? It seems for me, 
that I sure find it easy that I can sit in front of a TV for an hour a day or play on the internet or on my phone. How many of you have seen phones can be pretty distracting to our devotions this day in our week of fellowship? Ecclesiastics 4.12 reminds us that one standing alone can be attacked and defeated. Do not stand alone. But two can stand back to back and conquer, and a group of three is even better. That's why your small groups you guys have in this church are so important. My last thing I want to remind you for, whatever you're dealing with, whatever your stinking thinking is, whatever pain that you're in, whatever relationship, those things we went to, I want to remind you the third weapon for you to defeat this is to get power from the Spirit of God. You need the greater power that's much greater than anything you can muster to win your battle. John, 1 John 4, 4 reminds us that we belong to God. God's Spirit is in you. He is more powerful than the Spirit that is in this world. So why, and this is where I get so frustrated sometimes with Christians and churches, and man, I'm airing my dirty laundry here, because we walk around defeated. Oh, look at the world. Look at this. Look at what's going on. I'm going like, what's in me? Here, now, is greater. What's in each one of you? In spite of your pain in that world, God tells you what you have is greater. They did not conquer by their own strengths and skills. That's a problem for me. Maybe not for you. I think it's by my might. But by your power. Because you smiled on them and favored them. Remember that first verse. The coming and the going. He smiles and He favors you. You know what that means in some of the... It means He's bestowing His grace upon you. Each one of you. So how can you tell if you're depending on the Spirit of God? Anybody, this is a test. Anybody got a guess? Prayer. Prayer. Ephesians 6.18 says, Prayer is essential in ongoing warfare. Pray hard and pray long. Basically, more prayer, more power. More prayer, more power to help you overcome some of those thoughts, those defeats. Ephesians 6.13 says, Use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in a time of evil so that after the battle, you will be standing firm and remember He's with you as you come and as you go. So what's the most important piece of armor to protect us? from fiery darts, from stinking thinking. It's headgear. It's, it's accepting God's salvation as your helmet. And I will tell you, and I don't know where everybody is in this, if you want to protect your mind without it, you're defenseless. And I would tell you, man, if you're not there yet, he wants to defend you. He wants to be with you from as you go and as you come. And it starts with our relationship. Every child, and this is 1 John 5, 4, of God defeats this evil world by trusting Christ to give the victory. And the ones who win this battle are the ones who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I do not want to be an embarrassed 
Christian that is not afraid to tell people to have a God that fights for them, you need to put on the armor. So, for me, and you guys probably know this, for me, and I, I love this epitaph that I would love to have on my gravestone. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. So my, my prayer, and I've been praying for this because yeah, what have I known about getting to come here for a month now? Get to talk to you guys. This is what I've been praying for each one of you and my friends. I'm praying for you to be fortified for the fight. I pray that you will not be thrown by the fight. I prayed for each person in here not to run from this fight. I prayed for each one of you not to chicken out for what God has because whatever circumstances in front of you right now, most of all, I'm praying for you not to give up. And I want to recommend three things. Faith in God's Word. Hang out with God's people. And realize the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to move to the communion table now. And uh, I would just like you just to take that in for a minute. Because what happened at that communion table that day in that upper room as a reminder to each one of us, his broken body in the bread, it is the reminder that he is with you as he comes and as he goes. And he did this for you. And the grape juice is the reminder that his blood is shed for you. Why? Because you are victorious over death, over these things, the promise. Do this in remembrance of me.